0: Well, thank you, Vicki, for um, highlighting the high number of those years. How old we are, how long we've been at Grace, how uh, long we've been in ministry, and, and those sort of things. I need to make one teeny minor correction, only in case it's repeated. I just want to make sure it's accurate. Bill was pastor over faith builders for 25 years, but then what is the woo woo woo? What was that? Am I going to go to space? Okay, all right, good. Um, but uh, four years ago, um, Pastor John decided that he wanted to combine some fellowship groups, so he combined ours with um, Dulas, which was a singles group. So now we're called Anchored. So I just, no problem. I just wanted to make sure if anybody repeated it, they they might say, ooh, she's got Alzheimer's. That was four years ago. We changed the name, but it's Anchored. (laughs) That's okay. It's not that important, but... um, I just thought it's a detail. But with what uh, Vicky said, that was extremely gracious, but I want to say thank you to you all. Because we um, had the privilege of getting to know this family and they became extremely precious to us. Um, I always, um, I'm amazed when someone speaks about me being a mentor in her life because I, I felt like I just gained a daughter and um, the privilege of just getting to know them. Oliver was my husband's intern. I think I'm gonna take off. Um, And uh, as you know, with the Jones, when one of them does something, you get the whole group. And that meant excellence par excellence for everything. And so Angela worked with me and what we have the women's group, Women Walking Wisely. And as you all know, we would do teas and she would set them up and it was ready to be in a magazine. So I just wanna thank you for this wonderful family that we learned so much from and we were blessed by. And so uh, they became very dear to us So I consider it a privilege that you would ask me to come because I'm speaking to you, all of the people that she holds, all of you so very dear. So that is a trust. She's trusting me what I'm going to say to you. So I pray that the Lord uses it to bless you and encourage you. And uh, with that, I I want to say um, in a group this size... It's very likely there are some people who may not be familiar with the Bible or the story, the Christmas story from the Bible. So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but what we're going to talk about, you are preparing for Christmas, and what we're talking about tonight is some preparations for thinking about as we approach the day that we celebrate Christmas. So I wanted to get, to set the stage a little bit, and I want to read the first six chapters of Luke 2 to set the stage, what happened. I'm sure you're really familiar with this, and even if you're not a church family person, you would maybe hear of this story. But I want to set the stage, because what I hope to accomplish tonight, as the title suggests, is that you leave this room in holy wonder and grateful worship and godly watchfulness. But I would like to read Luke 2, 1 through 6 to set the stage, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll start our talk. So Luke 2, 1 through 6. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. to give birth. Would you bow with me as I ask the Lord to bless this time? Oh dear God, what anticipation these few verses convey. A truly unimaginable event was about to take place. The great fulfillment of a promise made long ago that had the power to change the lives of every human being on earth that would embrace it. What a wonder. Lord, prepare our hearts and minds this Evening, to comprehend with a new joy and wonder as we think about this glorious story we celebrate during this season that we call Christmas, as well as enjoy the seasonal festivities we have planned. Thank you, we can know the true joy of this season. May we appropriately worship you for it and share it with others. Well, as I think you might have an outline in a book or in something? Do you all, do we have that? We have an outline, okay. So you see the title is Holy Wonder, Grateful Worship, and Godly Watchfulness. A right, W-R-I-T-E, responds to Luke 2, 18 through 20. So I subtitled it, Making the Gospel Front Page Headline News in Your Heart. I'm gonna explain a little bit how I what came about to, to cause me to be reading this and come up with that title. But first, I would want you to do a little bit of pretending with me. So we're gonna uh, employ some 21st century thinking back to biblical times. Let's pretend you're a reporter for a newspaper or a magazine. And you're sitting out there on the hills of Bethlehem just watching all these shepherds take care of a bunch of sheep. And out of nowhere, which we're gonna read in a minute, an angel appears in the sky and speaks and announces this great announcement. Now you, being a really good reporter, what are you gonna do? You're gonna write it down and you're gonna think of some sort of catchy little title or big title to put in the headlines of the paper that you work for, so they buy your paper. So what might those headlines look like? What might they say? Well, I thought of a few. This might seem like a really unusual thing to do when you read the Bible, but I think differently. So anyway, how about the night before God arrives? That would catch your eye. Or a little bit like this, unidentified beings appear in the sky, proclaiming a message. That's big now. UFOs are really big. Or something like this. Trumpets heard, brilliant light shone around. Shepherds quaked. What is it? What does it mean? Sounds like Superman. (laughs) Or maybe this. Heavenly visitors surprise shepherds. All of them are very interesting titles. Maybe that's something you can go home and read the account to your children and say, "What, what title would you come up with? Well, why did I think like this? Because the Christmas story in the Bible becomes so familiar to us, we kind of read it like this. You know, I'm just gonna read verses 18 through 20. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. You know, you kind of read that real fast because you you know the story. but This particular day that I was reading these verses, which I'm gonna talk about later, I was in a particularly low place. And I really needed the Lord to comfort, encourage, and lift up my heart. So I really prayed, which is really a good thing to do every time you go to the Word. But I asked the Lord, would you, would you, I use these words, would you surprise me with some truth? Would you lift my heart out of this, this, the doldrums it was in? Would you give me something really wonderful? Hence the title, Holy Wonder. And, and then after I read it and the Lord did that, I thought, he is making the gospel, the gospel which I know very well, front page headline news in my heart. It was newsworthy. Yes, yes. It was something I've heard of before. No, we're not hearing anything new when we read those stories, but it should be, there should be a new wonder every time we go to these familiar words on the Scripture, the scripture, pages of Scripture, because the truth and the reality that it contains is really newsworthy for our heart, and we should be in wonder all the time. Now, do I react every time I go to the word like that? Truth? No. But I long for that and I ask the Lord for it. So that's how the title came. So every day, my husband says this all the time we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day rather than listen to ourselves and ask the Lord to hear it in a fresh way. Even we Christians can be so accustomed to the good news of the gospel. We rather take it for granted. And it no longer astonishes us. But really, when you stop to think about what happened that night in Bethlehem, it's a miracle. God, God, holy God, took on flesh of a human being to endure and set aside, he didn't not become God. Don't hear me say that. But he set aside his. Godness, for a time, to take on flesh and go through many many types of suffering, ultimately the hugest suffering on the cross, for what purpose to redeem us to to pr- prepare for us a way back to god that's a miracle that's really astonishing that is the definition of humilities lady, so really. There's no place for pride in a Christian's life because when you really understand God coming to earth and being a man, that's the definition of humility and we have no reason to be prideful. So I just wanted to highlight that. But let's start looking back before we look at our three verses that I wanna focus on. Let's look at the events and I hope you have a Bible. If you do, great. Maybe you look on your phone for these verses. I'm going to be in Luke 2, and let's just look look at what took place, what led up to the verses we're going to focus on in our notes. <laughs> so let's start reading in Luke 2, 7, and I, I read the verses that led up to that, what brought Mary and Joseph um, to Bethlehem. So Luke 2, 7 says, and she that's Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. So, who gave birth? You can just yell out. Mary, right. Um, And who was born? Jesus, right. And where did this happen? Bethlehem. And why? Why did it happen? Because God planned it. It was God's plan. So let's read 2.8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So what was the region they were in? The hills of Bethlehem, right? And what were the shepherds doing? Yeah, they were just standing there keeping watch. Over their flock. I mean, what was probably the most exciting thing that happened to them? I mean, maybe a wolf would come or another animal. And so they were on the lookout. I don't think I ever saw an angel coming in the sky. Let's look at 2 9. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That's what happens, not that I've seen it, when you see an angel. So an angel of the Lord did what? Appear in the sky. And the glory of the Lord, what is that? We, we, we use that phrase a lot, but it, it must be a brilliance, a, a, a almost like a cosmic event. And why? Were the shepherds frightened? These were heavenly beings. You don't see that every day. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. And the angel said to them, now this angel spoke, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. This is how you know it's true. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the angel spoke and the shepherds actually heard it. Good news of joy for all the people. They were hearing that was about to happen. What was the fulfillment of a promise made long, long ago. I don't know if you can recall back in your childhood, but maybe your parents said to you, I promise you, we're gonna go to the beach or an amusement park or something else that you thought was wonderful. But I don't know when this is gonna happen. And then one day, the day's there, and you, whoa, this is happening, yay! It's the fulfillment of a promise. This is exponentially more than that. The Fulfillment of Christ the Savior was gonna be born. God is coming to earth as in the flesh of a human baby and we will actually see him. Barely able to breathe, hardly able to comprehend what is being said, verse 13 follows in a split second crescendo. Let me read that. And suddenly, there's an action word, suddenly, that's quickly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God saying. So it was astonishing to see one angel, but all of a sudden the entire sky was filled with these angels. I mean, we depict this, we see that in maybe storybooks, maybe there's movies about it, but I don't know. I can't imagine what that might be like. Every sense in your body would be on high alert Seeing, hearing, it would be astonishing. And then verse 14, let's read that. This is what they were saying. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Can you imagine how beautiful that sounded? It sounded beautiful tonight to hear you all sing. But can you imagine hearing angels praise God? Peace toward men with whom God is pleased. How can God be pleased with any man? We are so beneath him, so far removed by sin. How can he be pleased with me, you might be asking. Well, that is the question. And it's the question we should all be asking ourselves. And it must have been theirs also. So I'm going to pause and just answer that. How can God be pleased with me? Is it because I do a lot of really good things? Nope. Is it because I'm really a nice person? Nope. It's only because I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm hopelessly separated from God because he is so holy. And I acknowledge that. And then I also acknowledge and believe that he did this, what I just read. He sent his son who became flesh and a baby and to live a sinless life and then die on the cross. We can't stop at the manger. We have to go to the cross. And he died for all who would repent and believe that his sacrifice was sufficient, that God is pleased with it. So because God is pleased with Jesus' sacrifice and you confess your sins and believe in that, he will be pleased with you. All right, now back to what we were talking about. So this is what needs to impact us in a fresh way daily. Let's look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Now, notice what the shepherd's response was. Let's go right away and do what the angel said. You know, sometimes, you know, we don't have an angel telling us what to do. And I really don't think in this room any of you has had God come down and tell you something. But you know what? Every time you read this, it's God telling you something. And oftentimes when it's something we're a little uncomfortable with or we don't like it or it crosses our designs a little bit, we hesitate. We don't go right away and do it. But that's what the shepherds did. They went right away to do what they were told to do. Verse 16, and they went with haste. They didn't drag their feet and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. So they didn't wait, they didn't pause, they didn't hesitate didn't procrastinate. They did what they were told to do to see if the angel's message was true. And that's what they found, didn't they? Verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. So what was the response to their findings? They told everybody there, Mary, Joseph, Joseph, even baby Jesus, whoever might be there. This is why we came. Angels appeared to us in the sky and told us this thing and told us it would be exactly as we said. I mean, can you imagine? It would have been an amazing thing anyway for Mary and Joseph. I mean, Mary knew what was happening. But then to have been told, because Mary had an angel come to her, right? But then to be told by shepherds that they had angels come to them, Wow. Now our text, verses 18 through 20. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They were amazed. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So, the response to the shepherds' message, they wondered, Mary treasured, the shepherds left, and I'm sure, shared this good news with others, but everyone who was there knew this event was going to change the world, was going to change their lives. And really, that's what's true every time we come to the Word. It's going to change your life. Even if it's a day where you're feeling a little ho-hum, reading it, I'm not going to promise you that you're going to be able to run out of your house and do a marathon mile or something like that, but it's going to change some aspect in your mind and your heart. What did the shepherds do next? The astonished shepherds' response to the majesty of God's glory presented to them was one of holy wonder. It awakened in them a grateful worship and a driving desire to proclaim what had been revealed to them. Do you remember, think back to when you first were saved. Didn't it burn inside your heart to tell somebody? I remember very clearly, um, when any, whenever the Lord, it was evident the Lord was doing something in their life. I remember when I first was saved, I couldn't wait to tell my husband I was saved before him. He thought I was absolutely nuts. You know, he just thought, oh, you're getting very religious. And then I remember another time, my girls and I were in a, a pretty big car accident, and um, We had to be taken to a hospital ambulance. And I just saw the Lord's hand in so many ways. And I knew the Lord was at work in protecting us and providing and all this sort of things. I won't go into the details. But when we were in the ambulance, my kids were in the back and there was no place for me to sit. So they put me in the front seat, in the passenger seat. And the other EMT was just kind of on the floor. and I was so filled with what the Lord had done in protecting us, and in so many ways, I was just explaining it to the to the driver and the other EMT, and I was going on, and I said, it was the Lord, it was the Lord, and they looked at each other, and they said, oh, she's in shock. I said, I am not in shock. I said, I know completely what I'm doing, and I started to, I mean, Scripture came in my mind, and I said, the angel of the Lord protected us. Not that I saw an angel, but I knew it was, unexplainable how we were protected and I knew it was the Lord and I'm sure some of you have had things like that happen to you but anyway when you know it's the Lord working in you you want to tell somebody you don't want to keep it to yourself you know it's like putting a a lampshade over a light you don't hide it you tell people so and what to do with and what do we do with what we see and whom do we tell and this is where the writing, a right response. Sometimes it's a good idea to write it in a journal. I think you've been given a journal. And I, there's nothing necessarily, this is not a command, but it's a biblical discipline, let's say, that has a lot of good purposes. And I will say that um, there's times in my life I journal more than others. Sometimes I don't. But this particular time that I did this little study, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit, I wrote it down and I'm so glad I did. What I wrote down is what the Lord was showing me, these things, my responses to the word. And I have to tell you ladies, many times in my life, other times when maybe I was, again, finding myself a little low and that happens to us. Sometimes God feels very far away. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. But, but if we come to him and ask him to draw us close, he will, and sometimes when you write that down and you read what he's done in the past, it can revive your heart. So it's a good thing to do, and then also, who knows, maybe someday uh, when you're gone, someone will read your journal and be encouraged. Maybe, maybe not. I know, I ask my kids, how much of my stuff that I have do you want me to leave to you? <laughs> and they went like this, nothing. Pictures. I said, you mean all these journals I wrote in, you're not gonna read them? Sorry, mom, no. (laughs) But who knows? Somebody may read it, somebody may write a book about you. Who knows? But anyway, it's it's just a good thing for your own heart. So now I want to go to our outline. And our first point, which is verse 18. Holy wonder. We want to trace our thoughts back to the manger to gain perspective and wonder for today. So daily, that's what we need to do. So I already read to you verse 18, I'm not gonna read it again. The shepherd's response, having found what the angels told them to be true, was holy awe that they saw God's glory on display. On display both when they were in the field and then here at the manger. All who heard the shepherd's account also wondered in awe, what was being told to them. God announced his coming through the angels. God's glory was revealed to them. And remember man's response when God allows his glory to be revealed in some other, maybe in the Old Testament? Let's think of Moses. When Moses went up on the mountain, his face was shining in glory. He hid his face, Exodus 3.2. There was thunder and lightning flashes a thick cloud and a very loud trumpet sound and the people trembled who were below Exodus 19:16 It also appeared like a consuming fire on the mountaintop and the people were told to stay clear of that mountain Exodus 24:17 Moses was shielded as God's glory merely passed by remember he said Lori God I want to see you and he shielded him in the rock and the, 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 it says, the back of God passed by. Well, all these things only show to us that God's glory is something that is real and it is powerful. And so we want to aim to present your soul to this glory every day by coming to the Word. Wonder should be our response, whether we see an ocean, a bird, a baby, graciousness shown to us, or an insight from God's word. Our response must be wonder-filled, full of wonder, that God would consider me, you, his fallen creature, and bless our life with these good things, and be able to know from where they come, besides undertake to be our redeemer, to forsake the throne and the royalties above, and suffer beyond all we ever could for us. John 6, 62. That should be your daily holy surprise. Trace these blessings in our life right back up to him from where they come. Every good thing that comes in your life, trace it back to him and be astonished with him and his providential blessings day after day. I think one of Satan's tools is to keep us so busy We don't think. We have to stop and think. Wonder as our comprehension of the gospel continues to deepen, and may it never become commonplace or ordinary so that we look for greater wonder here on earth, whether it is something physical, material, or in a relationship to thrill us more. I'm in a prayer group with six ladies total, and they vary in ages and one of our sweet ladies is 94 and i love to hear her pray she has seen the work the lord work in her life in mighty ways and it can be the simplest thing that she's talking about but her her wonder at the lord is so encouraging so may we instantly and daily come to be full of glory, to be able to be one of the worshipers before the throne, wondering at what God has done. So that's point one, holy wonder. Secondly, the next response was gratefully worship. They were worshiping the fact that God was coming to earth. And to do this, I must follow my vision from the manger, like I said, through our entire lives, pondering the truth and gratefully worship. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Sometimes I do this when I'm driving, like if I'm stuck in traffic, or when I'm going to bed, or particularly when I'm worried about something. I trace the Lord's work in my life. I'll go back to the events that led to my salvation. Like Vicki said, it's, it's an amazing story, just because it's amazing. All of your stories is amazing. But go back and think about that. And I'll, I'll guarantee you, every time you think about it, the Lord is gonna show you new things. And then just go through different events in your life and you're just going gonna to marvel at see like the spotlight is going to come down for you and you're going to see new ways of the Lord at work in your life to the current present time and just praise him for it. The manger and the events that surrounded it are not something to be thought about and celebrated once a year. We need to bring the manger right into our daily lives rather than just bringing it out in the nativity scenes at Christmas. It is not an event, God being born a human baby. It's a beginning. My response must be as Mary's. She used three powers of her being to take this all in. Her affections, her memory, and her intellect. And so must we. My heart, must pour out all that has been stored in it that is precious back to Jesus. One of the most wonderful things you can do is when you read scripture and something strikes you, just stop right there and talk to the Lord about it and tell him how in wonder you are and worship him. Think of the perfect righteousness of Jesus and realize that he is our righteousness. You're clothed with his righteousness. That's what God sees. I can marvel that I am perfect in Christ Jesus when I know I am so far from perfect. Jeremiah 23, 6. I rest on him solely for salvation and believe, however unworthy, I am still saved in Jesus. Then there rises up a response of gratitude. Gratitude. We have received his fullness, John 1:16. Dwelling in this baby who is God in the flesh is the fullness of the Godhead. In him, I and you have received the fullness of his atoning blood, cleansing us from all sin. His fullness, able to complete what he has begun in me, the fullness of his conquering death and his triumph ascending to heaven where he makes, and this is wonderful, Intercession for us all the time. And I love how, when we just don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit interprets our groanings. We can, that gives me such confidence in my weakest of moments. The fullness of spiritual blessings, the fullness of every divine at- attribute is at our disposal. God is truly with us. We use the word Emmanuel. Particularly at Christmas time. And that means God is with us. He's with us all the time, not just at Christmas time. So we must use our heart. We must also use our intellect. We must dive deep into His Word and abide with Him, begging Him to stay and reveal Himself to us. Weigh deeply His person, His work, and His glory. You know, one of the most um, impactful times I've had, my husband and I have gotten to travel quite a bit, and we were in London, and um, we went to this little Welsh church, a little poor Welsh church, and it was in the midst of a community that was all Muslim, and it was actually really dangerous for these people to go there, and um, they were going to hold, we visited it during the day, and there was some historical things to see in the area and they were going to hold a service a worship service that night and uh, My husband and some of the others. We were we did a missions trip had other things to do, but I really wanted to go to the worship service and so I Asked the hosts that we were staying with if they would take me there and they went, oh, and no, I don't know that's not really safe, but we went um, I kind of begged <laughs> and and um, It was, I can't tell you, my heart was like flying out of my chest. These simple people, the way they were praying, they were singing these Welsh hymns. I was sitting next to a really elderly lady, and I talked with her for about a half hour, 45 minutes afterwards, and she walks there from her apartment in this bad neighborhood. I mean, just in the simplest way, to hear her pray, it was marvelous. These were not educated people. These were not people who had, you know, um, all sorts of study tools at their fingertips. They had the word, and they went to the word. So your heart, your intellect, and then your affections must embrace him with all our emotions. Admire the perfect perfection of Christ and marvel at what he will complete in us, Colossians 1.28. So it's just like how you might look at a diamond. You examine this gift, the gift of Christ, from every aspect. Meditate on the Lord's love and love him more. Look back at all the many ways he has provided for you. How his grace was sufficient in troubles. Look at yourself daily, confessing your sin, so as not to grieve the Holy Spirit, enabling him to commune with you. He never ceases to pardon sin. Look ahead. Nothing can separate you from his love. He will return for you, and death cannot separate you from his love. I love that in Romans 8. Meditate, pray, worship daily by yourself. Reflect on his truth. Reflect his truth back to him in praise. Plead the atoning blood of Jesus. The best way to acquire happiness and contentment is through prayer. The only thing we need is heart, and will and I know all of you have that daily ponder the gospel allowing it to break over your heart and mind in a fresh new way so we've looked at wonder we looked at worship and finally let's look at godly watchfulness verse 20 continuing our gaze all the way through to the cross from the manger seeing all you have heard is true and it will produce godly watchfulness we don't hear that word very often anymore, but it is a word, when they were building the temple, there would be a, someone a watch, a watch who was on a watchtower. He would stand on the wall and would watch for the enemies coming. Well, we need to do that. We need to watch over our heart with all diligence. We need to be watchful, and that is pursuing holiness. The very best way to glorify the Lord or set it another way to put his glory on display is to reflect the gospel in your life. Every little decision. I remember one time we had a flood in our bathroom next to our bedroom. And when the insurance guy came, it was really weird. He kept asking me. He was walking through the house, and he said, he kept saying things like, oh, this spot on the rug, that was from that, that leak, right? I, no, the leak was in the bathroom. That's way over there. Then he went in the kitchen, and he goes, oh, 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 this, this something or other that happened with the cabinet was because of the leak in there, right? No, no. So, I mean, he kept doing that, kept doing that. And I'm like, this guy's trying to get me to lie. And finally, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And he said, are you a Christian? (laughs) And I went, yeah. And he said, okay, he said, I thought so. He said, you wouldn't lie. And I said, well, why were you trying to get me to lie? (laughs) You know, I really couldn't figure that one out. But anyway, he said, so you really live what you believe. I, I mean, I wasn't a heroine or anything, it's just normal. It was just everyday living the gospel. He said, okay, he said, I'm going to recarpet carpet your whole house and do blah, 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 blah. Now, I mean, I wasn't doing that for that, but that was the end result, so it was nice. But, I mean, that's not the reason to do this. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, let's carry on. I digress. Um, the book of Leviticus details the offerings and their purposes. What God expects from those who've been redeemed is holiness. As the priest would place his hand... On the head of the sacrificial animal the transfer of sin would symbolically occur and it would be accepted for atonement substitution right well how much better a covenant has been ushered in when Christ was made sin for us divine substitution once for all Hebrews 9 14 and 15 if our consciences have been cleansed from dead works to serve the living God, then we will be able to wage war with sin and win, ladies. Christ exempts me from sin, but not from the sorrow as a result of sin. So remember this, the next time you have been hurt because of somebody else's sin, do the same thing, run to the Lord. A holy character never escapes temptation. So, That's a temptation. When something happens to you and you feel how unjust it is, I don't deserve this. Hmm, did Jesus deserve what he got? I'm in good company. Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, Matthew 4, 1. We must daily put on our armor, keeping watchful in all seasons. Time spent in the word and prayer will guard our hearts when the sparks fly. Take up your cross daily. God gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. And when we recognize our greatest danger does not lay outside of us, but right in our own bosom, ourselves, and humbly and regularly seek his grace and his communion, he will impart divine grace in measure enabling us to both perceive and avoid sin. That is, I think, the most important, or that's something like Vicki and I were talking about today. How the longer you stay away from communing with the Lord, it's not that we need glasses, but our eyes lose the sharpness of sight in that discernment to recognize temptation and sin. We need to sharpen our eyes of faith. The highway to holiness, ladies, is the highway of communion. It is there I must... Position my soul in conscious fellowship, Malachi 4.2. We must live up to our calling and our privileges. Isaiah sixty one six, is a literal promise made to Israel, but it belongs spiritually to believers. As believers, we have received all the riches in the heavenlies, like Ephesians 1 tells us. With these many privileges and such high calling as God's servants, we too have been set apart for holy service. Vicky talked about that, what holy meant. If we seek to live up to our privileges, we will live unto God so clearly and distinctly that the world cannot help but notice, and we cannot help but tell. Whenever you've, I don't know if you've experienced, I'm sure you have, you know it was the Lord helping you conquer a sin. Don't you just want to tell somebody? Not to brag on you, but to brag on the Lord. As I pursue Christ and he has formed in me, I desire to encourage and stimulate the same in others. You know, I often think, well, I may be stepping on toes when I say this, but sorry. I often think when I get Christmas letters for people and they're kind of braggy, you know, I, I, I love the ones that are listing the way the Lord has worked. I mean, it's great. I mean, if somebody lives far away and, and I haven't seen or heard from them, I want to hear what's happening. I want to hear that they're third grader, you know, master of the multiplication tales or something like that, maybe. Um, but, you know, I do want to hear what's happening with them. But I really want to hear what the Lord is doing in their life. So little side note. I digress again. Okay, okay. back to what I'm talking about. When I take up my cross daily and watch my life, watch in prayer, and I watch for his return, I am in blessed company. This is how I can glorify the Lord and live up to what he's called me to do and be privileged with this. First Peter 1 Peter 1:13 through 16 reminds us to be watchful both in our walk and also our hope as we fix it completely on the promise of Christ's return when faith will become sight watching and waiting, for the crown of glory will follow the cross of separation as it did Jesus. Let me read that again, that was a quote, and I can't tell you where I got it from, but it was impactful. For the crown of glory will follow the cross of separation as it did Jesus. Watching for Christ's return once more when he leaves heaven for earth, but this time his majestic identity will not be missed. He will return in power to retrieve all who are his and bring them back to heaven with him. His home will soon become our home. John 6:39, 40, 53 through 54 and Hebrews 9, 26 and 28. For now we live in the suburbs of the celestial city and much of our Christian life must be looking forward Look forward, take comfort in, and hope, for one day we will dwell within it. Presently, he's preparing us for it, 2 Corinthians 4.18. All who worship him, here and now, will be able to worship him there perfectly. He will not leave us as orphans. He will come back for us, John 14.18. And for that I wait with anxious anticipation, yes, and wonder. It is a holy war, I'm sorry, a holy wonder that that little baby in the manger who became that sacrifice for sin is God. As God was pleased in Leviticus 9, 23 and 24 when the appropriate instructions were followed for the atonement of sin, he is pleased forever with Jesus' sacrifice of himself. So then I cannot help but be great to, but gratefully worship when I ponder that this includes me. Comprehending the privileges, the blessings, and the responsibilities of having received the salvation, my only natural response is a godly watchfulness. And I read this the other day, and I thought this was so helpful that one of the most important characteristics we should have as a fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And then it was talking about perseverance. And this author was saying, perseverance is self-control polished to a high gloss. Isn't that beautiful? That means you're continuing in the self-control. You're being like Jesus, you're not giving in to temptation. And uh, so the last item in your outline is right response. So this is what I might do with some of these insights. This is purely a suggestion applying what God has shown you to grow in godliness, bless others, and glorify God. So I said to you, I would tell you where the events that, not that it's so important, but kind of like the shepherds telling Mary, Joseph, and whoever was there, you know, why we came. It was interesting to me. It was, I still marvel at this when I think about this event. My husband and I had gone to Hawaii uh, one year. It was probably the first year both girls were married and they had moved far away. And as I was telling Vicki, I said, boy, the Lord really had a sense of humor. I grew up in New York and side of it. anyway. we moved to Los Angeles, 1980, I did not want to move to Los Angeles. All my family was in New York. We were not believers, but and I even said to my husband in the plan, okay, I'm giving this five years. Accomplish what you are wanting to do here, like I was in control of things. And, um, and he said, okay, just give me five years to make my first million. Well, anyway, that's what he said, and then we can go back. And, but the Lord, you know, has such other plans. Anyway, his other plans was to save us. We got saved, and here we are, and then my husband eventually went to seminary. And now I wouldn't live anywhere else. I love where I am. But during that time, I was very grateful. Even as a believer, I would like, I would call it a di- diary at the time, but I, it grew into being a journal when I became a believer. And I love to see how the Lord changed my attitude towards things. You know, one day I was miserable. And then, you know, time in the Word or in the Lord. And he was slowly... Sometimes he changed my mind and my heart, you know, like that. Sometimes it took a while. Well, this was one of those days. I mean, it sounds silly to be in Hawaii and having a down day. But I was was starting to get very, very sick. And um, I was really, really feeling ill. I couldn't do anything. I had to stay in bed. And then I got word... uh, I had a best friend growing up. We knew each other from junior high, I got an email from her husband. Um, she had colon cancer, spread into her liver, was going in her lungs, she didn't have long to live. So, I was sick, I was sad, I felt really despairing, and I no more felt like going to the word or praying than anything, and, but I knew that's what I needed to do. So, as I said before, I said, Lord, I am at such a low point, and I know you haven't left me, and I love the hymn, He Will Hold Me Fast. I think it's wonderful to memorize good hymns. And if you ha- It's easier to remember something you sing. And I was trying to sing that to myself, and I thought, I need to go to the Word, and I said, please, Lord, give me something. I remember I said the words, give me something wonderful to encourage my heart because it was right before Christmas, I went to Luke too. So this is a result of that morning in the word. And I mean, he wowed me that morning. Now, I'm not saying you should look for that level of response all the time. But I'm just telling you that our God is living and active. active and he wants to love you. And he wants to help you know that you are his and he loves you. And he wants you to know it. And then when you know it and you're, that's confirmed in your heart, share it with somebody. I wrote it in my journal, and um, I was in the bedroom for a really long time. It was kind of like that moment in the ambulance because I was really sick, but I came running out of the bedroom because <laughs> I wanted to tell my husband what... The Lord had showed me. He goes, what are you doing out of bed? And I said, i got to show you this. And, you know, and it was, we both sat there and cried. And and we we prayed. It was just one of the most, you know, at that trip, what 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 we remember is not what we saw or did in Hawaii was this moment. So I just encourage you, um, draw close, and he will draw close to you. And these truths became more real to me than the very chair that I was sitting in. My eyes of faith were able to see far beyond time and space and the things which threatened to incapacitate me. He led, me, he led my, me to trace my eyes back to the manger all the way through to the cross and beyond. He provided hope. He replaced doubt with hope. When I looked to Christ, rather than the remaining corruption both in me and in the world around me, he brought hope. You see, when I was only using my physical eyes, I felt stuck, stopped in the middle, because you know what? My eyes were on me. My faith needed to go back, back to the manger and wonder that God became flesh, the creator became like one of the created, follow my vision through from the manger to the cross, and worship, because the perfect one became the broken one. The spotless one became the ransom for my sin. Continue our gaze beyond the cross where he accomplished the redemption for those who are to be his, those he's pleased with, which includes me, and I pray it includes you. My Lord took away the curse when he became a curse for sin, Luke twenty-two forty-four. He fulfilled his own requirement for his chosen. Should this not produce peace and contentment along with watchfulness over my own heart? Proverbs 4.23, and watchfulness for his return. Can anything else be more astonishing? The manger, the cross. Almighty holy God left heaven to come to earth in a manger. Glorious, righteous redeemer, then left earth for heaven on a cross. Hebrews 7.2. So my eyes must retrace this daily and not get stuck in the middle. And I must keep on directing my eyes toward his return. Everything from eternity past to eternity future is all in his good, kind, holy, sovereign control. Everything, ladies, that happens to us, he deems somehow, some reason, is good. And I know... In this room, I I have no doubt there are some of you maybe experienced some some very hard things and that may sound like a callous thing to say but it is very true. This confidence will enable us to walk in our way securely and our foot need not stumble. Proverbs 3.23 So, holy wonder, grateful worship, godly watchfulness will produce something to write about. Glorious hope. He left his word for us to read. Would it not be wonderful to leave our words responding to his while we're on our journey here for those to come behind us? Would you bow with me? My God, it is a holy wonder that you would condescend to ordain your son to become a man, live amongst man's unholiness, and die suffering such physical and spiritual agony departing from your presence to atone for that unholiness, while he himself is the epitome of all that is holy and divine. His humble entry to earth and his humiliating exit is astonishing news. May it daily enwrapt our attention and hearts to produce grateful worship and godly watchfulness over our lives now as his Holy Spirit indwells us and watchfulness as we wait for his glorious return. For we who are his belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. May we seek and reflect on that glory all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.